How are you guys doing this morning? Super Bowl Sunday, huh? Yes, some of you are happy pizza people, wings and everything. We're probably going to watch it and not feel anything. Um, but we are so glad that you are. You're still at the doors trying to find a seat. There's some seats on the retractables. We want to welcome those who are joining us on and keep playing, Rufus. Because as we can, as the first service especially was so different, we worship probably hmm, longer than usual. And what's so beautiful, you know, we are determined to slow things down. We are determined to be responsive, not for the sake of breaking out of a pattern, but the, for the sake of not letting predictable patterns determine how we respond to God, right? So today, I want to talk to you about a beautiful invite that God has for us. But you know, invites are so interesting because, as I said five weeks, four weeks ago, that invites is, is so wonderful if you get it because somebody deemed you valuable enough that they want your presence to whatever they are imagining and preparing. We can say no, we can say yes, or sometimes we can say yes, but as things evolve, we don't participate even though we are present in that invite. You know, Jesus had the same challenge with believers like me and you, where he says, I'm going to tell you something really exciting but the value is not to hear it. The value is not to say, oh, that's a great idea. I'm in. The value is, what are you going to do after you hear? What are you going to do with it? For anybody that has friends that constantly ask you uh, for advice, I always ask this interesting question. How many people have given you advice already? And what did you do with it? Because you see... I have found there's a lot of people, all they look for is advice, but they have no intention to do anything with the advice. Come on. Yeah, come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you know you're one of those. You're just, actually, you're just looking for people to feel sorry for you, not people to help you. Because Jesus says, faith without any corresponding action is dead. And even as we are sitting here today, the the invite to Sabbath, rest, the, the invite to what I'm going to share with you today, why would we put action to it? Because ultimately, what is the point of telling you the invite that God has for you and for me if all we do is say, oh, that sounds really great. Okay, see you next Sunday, right? I, I read something that, is, that really um, kind of challenged my mind in my heart in this regard. It says, our lives and the outcome of what we are pursuing and or building is contingent on our spiritual and emotional and physical vitality. In other words, you cannot build higher than what the foundation is well. And we, we become such builders of the exterior even though the interior is imploding we pretend it's not even as we can hear the ground shifting and we have neglected to 
prioritize what makes us foundationally strong. And the thing that I believe challenge what I'm going to be sharing with you today is the speed of our lives and what we prioritize over what makes us strong as people. So my prayer today is that you and I will be challenged. I, my prayer is that the gospel of Jesus is a disruption. Come on. To turn to your neighbor and say, if it doesn't challenges you and angers you, then it's not the gospel of Jesus. It isn't. Because Jesus says, don't be so well adjusted in this world and in this culture. He says, don't let the culture push you into its mold. Because this culture is fallen. It is a perception of what humans need to do to become important. And I don't know about you, but when I look at people that uh, all they want is power, money, and importance, they're not always kind and nice people. But yet, we have a perception if we can have what they have and do what they do, then our lives will be better. And I'm here to tell you, the one who made us is the only one that knows what meaningful things he's inviting us into so that our lives are lives that brings glory to him because there's this one statement that is so beautiful. It says, uh, God's glory is man fully alive. And fully alive means fully functioning the way that God intended for it to be. Now, I'm going to share with you a scripture. And then I'm going to give you a seven-minute theological disposition. Oh, I shouldn't have used the word disposition. Some of you are like, I'm out. Uh, a theological understanding about something. Then I'm going to tell you why I did it and what the implication of that is in our understanding of God our relationship with him and our relationship with one another. Because in our culture right now, you're attending a church. And for some of you, the only person you know is the person you came with. And for others, you may be sitting here all by yourself. And the only person you may know is you and me. Because I get to speak to you for two and a half hours today. Right? But that is not what... God's desire is for us. So, turn to your neighbor and say, please don't fall asleep during theology. Please don't. Please don't fall asleep. Because I want to speak to you about God's invitation to belong to a family and what that means. Not to a church. We talk about church membership. I've never had my kids sign a, ch a family membership. Right, go? Never. Um, I've never told my kids, if you violate the family membership, find another family. Right? When you're family, listen, you can pick your friends, but you're stuck with your relatives. Right? Which means, if this is true what Scripture says, and God has planted you here in a family, whether you like the people next to you or not, God knows that the people in this room is meant to help shape, uh, uh, formulate, encourage. They're the catalyst and the safe place of belonging. Here is the scripture that I would love to share with you. Let's read this together. It says this. Uh, God spoke and he said what? Let us make human beings. What? How? 
our image. What does that mean? Reflecting our nature, our image, and likeness. I love this whole thing about reflecting our nature. In other words, you know, I, I constantly say this to, to young couples and young guys. I said, you know what God is? He has such a great sense of humor. When you have kids, he's going to give you one just like yourself. Come on, how many of you know that? And you go like, I don't even like you. But they you. They want to play you with the games that you've been playing the world with. They a little bit of you. And they're going to wear you down as you've been wearing others down. It's, it's the most incredible thing to see. So why, why am I sharing this with you? Because there is something in Scripture where they talk about the Trinity. If you've never heard that term, that means how people describe. They gave a word to the Father, the Son. Because we say, I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I find it so such a waste of time when people go like, no, there's not three. God is one. No, but there's a Holy Spirit. Is he God? Because I can tell you, Jesus is hanging on the cross. That's God. God became flesh. He looks to the Father. The Father is somewhere. And then he says, I'm going to go to the Father and send the Holy Spirit. There's three, yet they are one, the Lord God. The word in the beginning, Elo God, is Elohim, which is plural. But this one thing I can tell you, it is the most um, futile thing to argue what is a mystery to humans. Uh, well, let's listen to me. A mystery. Jesus said these words. He says, if you cannot even believe what I'm telling you, how are you going to ever believe when I tell you the mysteries of God? So there is a beautiful thing, and I want to encourage you. Don't take up a cause that's a mystery. Because you are making yourself a master of the mystery. I would rather say I have no idea. But one day, my eyes are going to see and fully understand. But why? Why do we talk about the mystery? Well, there is an interesting word that you will find in theology. People that study, that, that, that lives to study scripture to make sense of it. That knows the original language. And when they describe the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that was there from the beginning, they use a word called pero. Uh, perochoresis. Pero, you want to say that? It just sounds like a dental procedure. Perochoresis. Just say it. Perochoresis. Perochoresis. Um, and perochoresis is the best they can explain how the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit exist three in one. And perochoresis means they are in a circle dance. I love that word, circle dance, because they say the circle dance is a dance of relationship. It's a dance of community. It's a flow of oneness and love and diversity and role function. It's a flow where God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has loved from the beginning. And love is the rhythm of the perichoresis, the, the dances where they know each other deeply, intimately. Um, they, they know the depths of the Godhood three in one. I love this. And in that there is no shame. There's no fear. There's no insecurity. Because the one doesn't say, 
I want to do what you do even better. Because they understand that God has assigned function to each part. And once you and I begin to understand, there is this beautiful scripture that says in the, in the Amplified Philippians, For it's God who is all the while at work in you, creating in you the power and the desire to will and work for his pleasure. He says, we're the workmanship of God in Christ. I love this. And he has preordained a road that he has created only for you to travel. In other words, if you sit there and you say, oh, I want to do what you are doing. No, no, no. This is my journey. It's my path. What's your path? Because once you realize God has a path for you and path for other people, it's the first time you can celebrate them on their path because you're not running a race against them on your path. In other words, comparing myself to anybody else is so futile because it's not my path. This is my path. But the perichoresis, the dance, why is that so important for us? Because you see, the way that God is fully understood has always been shaped by culture. Even the way people interpret and understand God right now is determined by culture. How do we know it? Because in the writings prior to the, the fifth century, the Middle Ages, all the writings was about God as the lover of humanity. All of it was about a loving God, loving people, a merciful God, a compassionate God, an empathetic God. And then in the 5th century to the 15th century, and this is what they refer to as the Middle Ages, is when the world became a hierarchy of top-down. It's when they had kings and rulers and, and castles it's when they began to assert power and authority and they, they drove it by fear. So all of a sudden, the writings began to change because you see, instead of God being accentuated with love, now God is accentuated with power and control. Instead of a God that's accentuated as the lover of our heart, now he's the ruler. And if you don't do what he says, he's going to be a judge and he's going to be a fear annihilator. And this came from all different cultures and all different things because, don't you never say he's almost done with theology, almost done, almost done, almost done. Because even today, you and I, in a way, Live by it, it's under our skin. It's cause, called cause and effect. Cause and effect. So ancient people would uh, hear lightning and they, they had a drought. And then they say, oh, the gods are angry at us and they are punishing us. Um, Greek mythology, have you ever heard of this guy called Zeus? Right? Zeus was the god that... If he's not happy, he turns on ships. He sinks ships. Zeus is fierce and he's angry. And so whenever they hear lightning and natural disasters, they know that they have done something wrong that has offended Zeus. Now they've got to bring offering and sacrifice to appease Zeus so he would stop his fear retribution. 
In scripture, we find another one, that Halloween costume guy on the side. He's called Moloch. We read of him in the Bible. Uh, he was an entity that they perceived that he was the one that determined whether you have children or not children. In other words, if you are barren, it's because you have angered Moloch. If children die in birth, it's because Moloch is angry. Here's the craziest thing. Do you know how they believe they appease Moloch in order for him to bless the woman's wombs? They sacrifice firstborn babies to Moloch. Imagine it's your first child. Now you take it to the temple to be killed to satisfy Moloch so that you can get future children. You, you say, is that even true? Yes. In the book of in Numbers, God said, Leviticus, don't sacrifice your children to Moloch. You say, what has this got to do with me? And many of us, when, when something happens in our lives, we want to know, why me? What did I do? Why is God punishing me? Have you ever heard people say that? My life is not turning out. God, God is punishing me. And, and I had a bad doctor's appointment. God is punishing me. And, and I want to say this to you. And that cause and effect is messing up what cannot change. That God is loving. He's kind. And his thoughts over you are good. Have you ever considered that God has got nothing to do with weeds in the garden? Have you ever considered that scripture says all of creation in including us as God's children, our mortal bodies, are crying for deliverance because we get sick, we have flat tires, we have problems, we have things, and it's not the anger of the gods. It's a fallen world we are living in. Instead of saying it's God, why don't we understand that God says, even if you go through the valley of shadow of death, fear no evil, I will be with you. I'm the God that understand the brokenness of this world. So you say, but why is this even important in our discussion? Because you see, these gods was thought to need sacrifice to appease them. But the God of the heaven is the one who sacrificed so that he can be with us. He didn't say, sacrifice so you can be with me. He says, I will sacrifice and send my only son to be with you. And you know what the, the worst part is? He had no guarantee or guarantee that his sacrifice will soften our heart to love him back. Think about it. Think about it. There was no transaction that he was guaranteed to have from us. Because he says, I will sacrifice, even though I know many will turn their back on me. But he didn't say, well, if they don't do what I say, then I'm not going to sacrifice. Our God is a God that sacrificed because Romans says this so beautifully. Let's read it together. But think about this. Come on. While we were wasting our lives in sin. Another translation says when we were yet sinners. When we were yet what? No, 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 come, it's not it's right there. When we were yet, when we were yet, in other words, when our lives were misaligned with God's desire, God demonstrated his love. Okay, can I look in that camera? Get as close as you can. I want to say this. God's love is not predicated 
on you obeying and you doing the right thing. God's love will love you irrespective of what you do, how you live, and your choices. His love is not conditional. And if His love is not conditional, I want to ask this question. If God's love is what loves through us, why do we think we can make God's love conditional? Why do we think that we can reserve God's love for those that we don't agree with? You say, why is that even important? Because you see, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they are in this beautiful act of utmost trust, this this circle of dance for love's sake. Now the question is, why are you telling me this? Why why is the Trinity, the perikinesis, the, the dance of love so important? Because Genesis says, That you and I were made in the image. Okay, this is not hard. And the likeness to reflect his nature. So I've asked Courtney to be here. We didn't plan this. Just so you know, I've known Courtney 15 years. She's like a daughter to me. She's worked with me. I love her so much. So deem this not inappropriate. Don't you never say deem this not inappropriate. My wife is sitting right there. It's all good. Now in the dance of love. Until um, I was about 23, my dad reminded me, if you dance, you're going straight to hell. So for 23 years, I have a, 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 a what is the word? A, a, a deficit to know how to dance. So don't judge me, okay? Don't judge me. So when we think about dancing, um, the most interesting thing, since I don't know how to, it's very important that you lead, okay? Um, whenever I dance with my wife, I go like, lead, baby, just don't double step, don't double step. Because the most interesting thing about dancing is I don't go like, let's dance. Do you, I do me. You do you, boo. I do me, boo. This is how we dance, Right? Um, when you do that other thing, you can do you, boo. But when you dance together, where the person go, I go. There is a gentle grace in this. The only way to feel the rhythm of that person is to heal to the lead of that person. Now, when you are dancing with somebody, you don't look at them and go like, my shoes are more expensive than your shoes, I can tell. Yeah, yeah, I like my jacket more than your jacket. The other thing that you cannot escape is proximity. The other thing that you cannot escape is having to look each other in the eyes. You can't have a deeper fence and dance. You can't go like, hey, I hate you so much. It it doesn't work. You will feel it in the rhythm. The other thing that I've discovered with a deficit of 23 years of dancing is you step on somebody's toe. Um, and, and when you do, you go like, oh, this doesn't work. We're clearly not made to dance. No, you apologize and you say, okay, I'm going to just watch where your feet goes. Because, you see, 
if we're made in the image of God and God the Father, God the Son, all have a circle of dance of unity and inclusion and grace. And we are made in His image and likeness, and we are called to reflect the oneness of that. Then God calls us to be part of this divine dance with Him and others. Where is, where is, Maishi, you want to come with us? Or, or send somebody else. Come with, come with us, my sweet love. My wife always brings somebody with. Isn't that funny? Because you see, as we, as we invited to be in this beautiful dance, now God says, let's, my wife says she's streetwear. Yeah, that's perfect. Now, now God says, I want you um, we've got to be together oh. as a family, dancing together. Right. Okay. So, so, yeah, I, I see. Lead, baby. Lead, baby. Lead. Lead. Whatever you do, I do. Okay, Courtney, hold it. Here we go. Okay. Now, now what is so beautiful. Are we done? Um, almost. When, when the, don't go. When, when, when we dance together. Did, did you see immediately in the awkwardness there is remembrance of something special? When they came up, especially my wife, she's going to tell me at home, please, could you not just told me then I would have not worn my streetwear and stuff. And why did you call me up? But in that moment, um, we will remember this moment because we are enjoying something that you are watching. And I know some of you go like, can I come? Can I come? And others go like, I swear as anything, if you invite me right now, I'll never come back to church, right? Because in that moment, what you perceive is while we dance, everybody's going to criticize your involvement. Have you ever considered that a father, when he danced with his little girl, with his son, mother with a son, they never criticize the children because they already see what needs to be developed. It's in the dancing that I affirm my love for you. It's in the dancing that I belong. Have you ever considered that it is awkward when we start being in this dance that reflects God's nature? But he says, I invite you now to dance with a family of God and with one another. You, you guys can take your seats. Thank you so much. Because you see, here is the thing that I, I, I know of me. Because if you're not raised to dance... You find it awkward when you're invited to dance. Come on, how many of you know that sentiment? You find it awkward. So when I go to weddings, if, if my wife doesn't pull me in, then I go like, you go do you, boo. I go to the cannolis and I eat the cannolis. And then I go like, how long is this going to take? Because when the cannolis are done, I'm done. The cannolis is for my own selfish reason because I feel awkward to be in the joy of the togetherness. Come on. Feel awkward. I don't know how to dance. But sometimes she pulls me in. And the only way I can dance with her, I turn around, grab her hips, and whatever those hips are doing, that's what I'm doing. That's the only way we go. And I feel awkward. I feel stupid. But as the night progresses, I go like, this is fun. I, I never look at my watch and say, how long are we going to do this thing? Time flies. Why? Because I belong. I'm in. I'm part of this beautiful dance. And I want to say this to you. 
that you need to understand that God Almighty lives within this beautiful dance of belonging, and He doesn't call us single child. He calls us children. Because many of you go like, oh, it's just me and Jesus. It's just me and Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, no, it's not you and Jesus. It's you, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the family. So single child, make room for the family. If you claim you're dancing, which is just you and Jesus, it is a concept of individualism. And the Bible says anyone who separates himself from the family seeks his own honor. You are literally saying, I'm so important that God has reserved a private dance for me. I'm here to tell you, God doesn't dance privately. God dances with his family. God, the Bible says to all who received him, he gave them the power and the privilege to become sons and daughters of God. And if you understand God's family, it's not God and you, it's God and all of his children. That's together. So you say, uh, Pastor P, where, where are you going with this? So turn to your neighbor and say, he's almost done. He's almost done. He's almost done. So I'm going to give you three things, just three. God expressed his spirituality and love by entering into human relationships. God expressed his spirituality and love by entering into human relationships. And since you have the nature and the DNA of God in you, I want you to know that the only way for you to express spiritual growth and love is not apart from human relationships. It's by entering into human relationships. What does it say about Jesus? The Bible says, and Christ became a human by doing what? Living among us. The Bible says in many that he came to rejected him. And in that moment, it's the, he could have said, I don't need people in my life. I'm yet to tell him that because he's God, he knows it's not optional. It's part of your spirituality. Because he didn't call you to love some because God loves all. And it's his love in you. That's why it frustrates my head when people speak of other people like they have been voted off the island to the leprosy camp. I don't have to love them. No, listen, if God loves them, you have, don't have a choice to love them if the love of God resides in you. So stop writing stupid things on Facebook. Stop it. Stop thinking that you have a, a moral authority that you can become Zeus. You're not Zeus. Every time somebody speaks of other people like they are diminished, you have forgotten what a retribute. What she is saying. What kind of deplorable human you are. And God loved you. Now who are you and I to look at others? Listen, I'm not loving their decisions. I'm not loving um, their, their, their conclusions. I'm loving them as image bearers of the most high God. That's why when people say, 
Do you allow, allow those people in church? I go like, are they image bearers of God? If they are, heck yeah, because it's not my house. It's not your house. It's the Father's house. And unless God sets an angel at the door that makes that decision, I will not let you make that decision on behalf of God. Because there's room for me. There's room for you. Number two, number two, see, because I know it's Super Bowl Sunday. Number two goes like this. Number two goes like this. Number two goes like this. It says, the quality of our spiritual life is no, no better than the quality of our human relationships. Ooh, let that fry us a little bit. You know why? This is my, this is what I believe. The view you love the view you perceive God is reflected in the view you perceive people. If you say, people cannot be trusted, it's because you think God cannot be trusted. People will always stab you in the back. It's because you think God is doing things that is not truthful. Let me tell you something. Children will do immature things until they grow up into maturity. And when children do immature things, you don't label humanity by the stupidity of immaturity. And if somebody hurts your feelings, it's because they're immature. Don't say, well, I can't trust humans. I live under that. I live under that myself. And it cannot blemish love because the Bible says, perfect love drives out fear. What is the perfect love? If the love of God is Come complete in you. That's why the thicker your love, the more I'm convinced that you are growing in God. The thicker your love, the thicker your judgment, I don't care how you portray yourself. It's an immaturity and it's a pompousness of your own righteousness. Because God is love. God is love. And if people say, oh, the Father's house preaches grace and love and, and no consequences, it's not true. But You've just heard consequences your whole life. Nobody is affirming you in the love of God. Nobody's telling you that God loves you. His thoughts over you are good. He is slow to anger. But you know what? I and many of you, we don't like following rules. We will always test the boundaries. But when somebody loves us, we don't test the boundary of love. Because we don't want to disappoint love. But if you want to force your hand over my life, I will break it again and again and again. I walled out of the military so many times. Um, and I didn't choose to go. I had to go. I walled. Marlies would come and visit me for the weekend. She'd get to see me for two hours. She stops. I said, open the back, open the back. Open the back. I climb under the tire. And I said, let's go home. Let's go home. They're not going to miss me. Because I can fit through small spaces. Baby, let's go, let's go, let's go. I didn't care about that because it was authority of fear. But when it's love, you don't want to disappoint love. I'm convinced more people will obey because they love Jesus than people that will obey because they fear hell. That's just me. So number three, number three, number three. Or is it four? I'll call it three. The way we feel about people, it's the way we feel about God, and the way we treat people, 
It's the way we treat God. Here is my last scripture. According to scripture, there is no spiritual journey apart from people. Beloved, play love music. Beloved, let's love one another. For lovers of God and everyone who loves is born of God. Khalil Gibran, not that, he says. So when you love, don't say, I have the love of God in me. No, when you love, you're in the heart of God. Because love is something that loves for love's sake, not for power and control's sake. Love seeks nothing in return but to love. Love affirms your belonging. Can I ask you a gentle question? How many more churches do you want to visit? How many more churches do you want to leave? Because you found something you don't agree with? Or someone or a thing? Have you ever considered that God has placed you here? But now I want you to look at the face of the person next to you. Both in. First the person you like, the person then you like second best. Just look at them. I know it's awkward. If you're a dude next to a woman, don't stare too long. Don't stare too long. Just have a, have a quick look. 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 Probably in our culture right now in church, you've looked in the eyes of strangers. And if they don't show up or you don't show up, nobody's going to come find you. This is not how Trinity works. This is not how family works. But we've got to take the first step. If you're single and you're looking for someone, you've got to take the first step. If you stay home and all you do is stroke your cat and go like, Jesus, let somebody show up. Jesus sent the right person. Baby, you're going you're gonna to stroke that cat until there's no hair left on that thing. If you're a dude and you say, God sent me the right <clears throat> partner in life, and all you do is sit in your man cave with your TV. <laughs> yeah, no. You've got to take the first step. If you're sitting here today and all you do is attending church, I want you to know it's the first step. But between here and going to your car is already a set path and course. But God is saying there is a family and there is a dance. Take the first step because once you belong, once you engage, once you start the awkward dance, what you are doing is reflecting the dance of the Trinity with the family of God. So the question is, what are you going to do? Carrie, if you and Pastor Josh can come, Caroline. What are you going to do? What am I going to do? And I would like Pastor Josh and Pastor Caroline to 
just give you a very clear potential next step. But it's an invite. You can say yes, you can say no, you can say I'm not ready. My only question is, when will you be ready? Because my desire as your pastor is that we, not you, we grow in our spirituality. And it cannot happen apart from each other in relationship. So, guys, if somebody says, Oh, you know, you feel the butterflies flowing out of formation. You go like, oh gosh, I want to take a next step. What, what can they do? So after service, you can come into the fishbowl. Myself, a lot of our pastors and group leaders are going to be in there. You can ask us questions. We have the website with all of the groups. You can see the pictures of the leaders when they meet. We have men's groups, women's groups. You heard from Isaac and Katie. There's a young adult group happening. And my husband, Pastor Josh, uh, is going to share about some care groups because we know that there are seasons of life and sometimes we need a little extra support. If you find yourself in one of those seasons that are difficult, I want you to know we have five care groups available that meet on Monday nights starting on February 26th. We have a group for grief and loss, grief share. We have one for divorce, which divorce care. We have divorce care for kids. That curriculum goes right along with the adult ministry. It's amazing. We have the art of marriage. That is a wonderful opportunity to kind of have a pit stop for your marriage, regardless of where you are. It will strengthen your marriage. And our marriage ministry is popping. It is a great opportunity to get involved with the community there as well. Last but not least, I also want to let you know we have uh, single moms groups, Embrace Grace and Embrace Life. Those are wonderful opportunities uh, for women to come and get the support they need to take their next steps. I just want to say one last thing. Um, I hope it's okay. Oh, but you said course. it last service. Groups are a way for our church to grow larger in reach, but smaller in the way that we care for one another. You can't have one without the other. And I believe, uh, Pastor P, you said this last service, that there are people here where actually God is calling you to be the orchestrator of inviting people to a table, inviting people into community. And if you love people, you're passionate about including others, growing, I want you to come find me. I'm going to be in the fishbowl because we want to equip you to be able to, I'm using a metaphor, extend a table and invite people to come and belong and to grow together, to make mistakes, to try again, because that's what life is. Um, so again, come find us. We'll be in the fishbowl. So guys, as we talk about groups, I want to remind you that there is a picture of what a group means. You know, I've been trying all my life. I would drive to a group and pray, please, God, don't let them have cats. Please, 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 please. I beg you. I beg you. I beg you. I have hay fever that I get so quickly. And then I sit there in a strange home with strange people and they give me cookies and I look for cat hair in the cookies. And I'm like, oh, gosh. And people are going to ask questions. And what if they ask me? And, and it's none of their business. I, I know all the feelings. I want you to know when we say groups, it's not a certain place. It's finding a place that we all enjoy with people we enjoy and growing together. And I want to say this. I've heard so many testimonies of people that says, I've been through this hard thing. And I carry the testimony of God's goodness. Have you ever considered that God helped you through that hard thing so you can gather people with kindness and love? 
that is going through it, they don't need you to fix them. They just need to see the eyes of somebody that says, like God, I'm here. I don't have the answers, but I'm here. I'm here. My wife reminded me this week, eight minutes, right, baby? In somebody's eyes. She said to me, eight minutes making eye contact with somebody lifts them out of any emotional state they are in. If they're discouraged and you look somebody in the eyes and say, I see you, scientifically, you lift them. Eight minutes. Imagine we were a community that has a determination that nobody is not seen. We belong. You belong. So church, it's an invite. Are we going to allow culture, the speed of our lives, to spit us out where we can't do it again? Or trust that God knows that saying yes to the dance with the Trinity and His family being in community and being known actually is going to strengthen the foundation of my existence and will create in me what I really desire but cannot buy with money. So may God strengthen you. May God strengthen me. May God keep us uncomfortable. May God encourage our hearts to stop the urgent to make room for the important. May God give us peace and unity. For we are brothers and sisters, irrespective of having to agree with everything about each other. Be blessed, church. Be blessed. Peace out. I'll see you next weekend.